welcome to Taiwan Talk, where we share the stories of people living in Taiwan and Taiwanese people living abroad. We've been crazy busy at ICRT recently, so even though I recorded this interview in October, I wasn't able to slot it in until today. But I'm so glad I did because it's more relevant than ever. My guest for this episode is Cassie Cho, an independent journalist and founder of Almost.co, a media outlet focused on getting news stories to the internet's younger generations. Hi, I'm Cassie Cho, and I am an independent journalist and audience strategist.、Uh, I am also the founder and editor in chief of Almost, which is an Instagram-first media outlet focused on telling world news stories for young people. Fun fact: Cassie used to work as a news anchor at ICRT. Everything I'm doing, she was doing first. She read news in the same time slots, and even worked at the desk I'm working at now. After moving on to work for BuzzFeed, Cassie helped to extend the Instagram page at World to hundreds of thousands of people. A big part of the reason it won the 2021 Pulitzer Prize for international reporting. And that's a lot of what Cassie and I talked about in this interview. Something that is increasingly relevant today. That is, we have so many important stories to tell. But instead of expecting people to come to us and listen, how do we go to where people already are? And moving right into it, here's my interview with Cassie Cho. So I guess we'll get into it.、Um, can you tell me more about your work at Almost? Yeah, sure. So、um, I founded Almost、uh, around a year ago.、Uh, it is. Um, aimed at sort of telling world news stories for young people, and so the mission of Almost is to inform young people about important things that are going on around the world. Because you know, young people are the ones who are taking to the streets. They're the ones protesting. They're the ones sort of、um, getting world leaders to care about things like climate change and you know, Black Lives Matter and all those sorts of things. And I want to be able to sort of prepare them with the knowledge that they require in order to sort of go out into the world and you know, be the future decision makers and to have the knowledge that they need in order. To you know,、uh, feel empowered to be able to take action to、uh, change the world for the better. So that's kind of your goal as a journalist, and using social media for this is just another way to get at it. Yeah, definitely. I think that you know, I think my goal as a journalist is to sort of inform young people and especially young women、um, about all of these things, and you know, give them the information they require.、Um, but also, I think. Making sure that we do it in a way that makes sense to them, because you know,、uh, a lot of I guess traditional news outlets are you know still sort of using their websites and they're starting to understand the importance of social media. But you know, young people are not necessarily you know pulling off their laptop in the morning and opening up a, a Chrome, their Chrome and typing www.newyorktimes.com to read the news. You know, they're sort of spending their time on their phones, they're on social media, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, and so it's a matter of sort of going to the places that they're. On and delivering the news to them in a way that makes sense to them,、um, and so you know, instead of forcing them to sort of have to come to us, because I think it's you know, young people do want news; it's just not really necessarily being delivered to them in ways that make sense to them. I absolutely agree, and you are preaching to the choir right now. The、uh, bringing the news to where people already are, bringing the content, any content really.、Uh, so, what has been the the biggest contrast between shifting from traditional journalism,、um, writing, blogging,、uh, maybe radio stuff? To social media, what has been the biggest contrast for you?、Um, yeah, so I used to work at ICT and radio,、mm-hmm. um, and I think one of the biggest things is that you have to think very, very visually、um, because a lot of these platforms are very focused on videos、um, and also on photos.、Um, so I think, and in general, people are just very visual people. So you always have to be thinking, how can I represent the story in a way that, through I don't know, photos or videos, or maybe it's a graphic, or maybe it's an infographic, or maybe it's an animation. How can I sort of visual 
visually represent the story and um, figure out a way to sort of succinctly um, capture that in like a 30 second reel or maybe a 60 second TikTok. You used to work at ICRT. Um, when did you begin to make the move uh, through into visual media and social uh, social media? Uh, so I was actually thinking about this for a while a while ago, and basically. I think I didn't realize that I was doing social media and audience development um, when I was already at ICRT. You know, I was a news anchor on ICRT, so some of you may have heard me on the radio reporting the news at 2 p.m. Um, but yeah, I was already sort of really interested. I think just when I was growing up, I was really interested in the internet and I just enjoyed sort of, you know, making content and just having fun on the internet. And so when I joined ICRT, I started helping out with the social media accounts, such as the Facebook page. And so I think I've always been sort of doing audience development and social media ever since. Um, but I just never, I think audience development as a concept in media didn't really necessarily have a word for it at the time or didn't exist in that sense um, at the time. But then, so I was always sort of doing it on the, in the, on the side um, and just sort of my own projects on the internet um, and just sort of like blogging and like creating content and running my own social media accounts. And then I moved to London um, around five years ago and I was trying to get a job at BuzzFeed, which was my dream job at the time. Um, and so I ended up working at BuzzFeed News on the world news, um, on the, I guess, the global news team. Um, and so our team's whole thing was basically to stay six months ahead of everybody else um, in the newsroom and to experiment with a bunch of stuff. And so I was hired to basically um, experiment with news videos. So this was around the time that uh, Facebook was really starting, Facebook video was really starting to pick up and BuzzFeed really wanted to figure out how can we sort of replicate the success of like the Try Guys on YouTube, for example, but then let's do that, but for news. And so I was basically hired to figure that out. And so I was hired and they were like, hey, do you have any experience like with video? And I was like, I don't know, I can hold a camera still for a little bit <laughs> for like one that's minute good, or something. That's a good start, yeah. <laughs> and so my editor was really great at the time and he was like, yeah, sure. You're like, you know, I just need someone to help me hold the camera most of the time. Um, and then we just basically started experimenting with videos. Um, so, you know, we'd sort of come Cover stuff on the ground. So, for example, Supreme was selling a brick for, I don't know, 30 pounds and people were queuing up for it. So we went and queued up for it and we bought the brick um, and we made a video about that. And then it went viral on Facebook. Um, when you say brick, you mean like a, a brick? Like, like an a actual red brick. brick. Okay. <laughs> and okay. it had the uh, Supreme on it and people, it was just okay. like a limited edition brick that cost 30 pounds. Hmm. Is that kind of like NFTs are right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. like early day <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> Maybe that was critical. I lost some listeners there, but um, so that's awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask, they said to stay six months ahead of everyone else. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, so the, our team was really special because we were basically supposed to try out with, try a bunch of stuff and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then once we figure that out, then we would then pass that on to the rest of the newsroom. Um, so we first began with sort of world news, which was before I joined, but my other members on the team were focused on sort of how can we make world news go viral or focus uh, or, or let people care about, make people sort of care about world news the same way that, you know, American news is all that dominated the cycle and we figured that out through sort of you know global social news stories so it's like you know uh i don't this japanese japanese women are you know protesting having to wear high heels at work and then you know we would interview women and then we'd sort of gather their social media sort of accounts and then we'd sort of make a post about it um and so we sort of focused on that and then we figured out how we can sort of um cover world news the same way that we would cover u.s news and then the next thing was to sort of figure out how to use um video in news storytelling and so 
we were basically running around a lot of Europe, um, just sort of filming um, at, at these sort of events. So we went to like Germany, we went to Spain when um, Catalonia declared independence. And so we, when wherever we were on the ground, we'd basically just try to make a lot of different types of content and see what would work. Um, so we'd make like, you know, we'd do a live stream, we'd then cut that live stream down into a video, we'd do like, you know, uh, live tweets, we would do um, a social news video where we maybe do a Vox Pop and interview people on the ground. Ground. Um, maybe we'd also do a breaking news post. We'd do a social news post. We'd do like a, a feature. We'd do like a mini documentary. And so we'd basically experiment with a bunch of things and figure out what works and doesn't work. And then six months later, we would sort of present to the rest of the news team and say, hey, like this is what we found during our time. And this is how we can then implement this for the rest of the newsroom and for the rest of, I guess, the BuzzFeed offices around the world. Yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there, but I think the main point is uh, at least that I've also experienced here is try a bunch of stuff and don't be afraid. No one's ever going to ask you to innovate. You kind of have to just like throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall, and then when you find the things that work, you tell everyone, and hopefully they're receptive enough to to be able to go on that journey with you. Um, if they feel like they're getting paid enough to do the extra half hour after work or something like that, then that's <laughs> the kind of person you want to work with, right? Yeah, um, totally. I think experimentation is super important, and I guess this is what one of the things that key things that I learned is that you just want it, to. It's it's always really scary when you're starting to do something, and it's always. Um, I guess it's always difficult as well because you know something may not have been done before. It's like, hey, I came up with this wild idea. I don't know if it's going to work. But you know, when you're at least on social media, that's one of the nice things is that you can sort of, I guess, you can try things out and then the numbers will tell you, your audience will immediately tell you if it worked or not. And so you have this raw data to be able to say, hey, like, you know, I tested out this theory of trying to present content in a specific way and the audience responded really well. And that's great. I did not expect this. So let me try and do that again. And then you continue to do that. And then if it does well again, then you can say, okay, maybe it's going to do well a third time. Then you can keep trying that. And then at a certain point, you're sort of going to understand that, yeah, this is this works. This is something that works. Or you post something and you think it's going to do great. But then and it doesn't do well and completely flops. And you're just sort of like, I wonder why that happened. But then you start to develop these theories and you can say, OK, um, maybe it's because of the way that I wrote this headline. Maybe if I change the headline next time, let me see if that makes a difference. And then you're able to sort of through this process to be able to that's sort of the process of innovation, of being able to come up with new things that work. Yeah. A-B testing, A-B-C testing, um, the uh being able to change like a title or a video thumbnail on YouTube and stuff like that always helps to see like, oh, okay, this worked way better or seeing the views go up or down. Um, also, it's it's interesting that social media started as a place where you could get feedback, immediate feedback from your friends and family and maybe new people you've met. Um, and now we're entering an age where the social media is giving you feedback about your feedback using all of these things that you've been talking about. You helped to transform the Instagram page at World um, into quite a large numbers uh, listeners can go check for themselves at world um but what was your biggest struggle in in growing something to that size um yeah i think like first of all it was just i took over the buzzfeed at world account when instagram was just starting to kick off and so nobody was really everyone was sort of thinking about instagram as sort of a place where you just share your beautifully curated lifestyle and your cute dog videos and you know the brunch restaurant that you went to um and so nobody was really sort of thinking about doing news on instagram and nobody really thought that it could be something that could have sort of a future. Um, but again, we sort of adopted that approach where it's like, 
somebody was on the BuzzFeed news team was like, hey, we have this amazing account. It's just the at world, the handle is amazing, but nobody's using it. Maybe we can try and do something with it and sort of experiment the same way that we have been for videos, but we, let's do it on Instagram. And so I was like, yes, I would love to do that. Um, and so at first I just sort of wasn't really sure what to do uh, because there was nothing you could really sort of refer to. Um, and so at first I just sort of took the content that the BuzzFeed world reporters were posting and then I translated that into something on Instagram. But it soon became really evident that, you know, they weren't producing enough content at the rate that, you know, I wanted to be posting. And so sometimes there'd be days where, you know, because they're working on these long form investigative pieces that there wouldn't be content. And so I started going and looking for my own content and I thought, okay, maybe I can, you know, I saw this really funny tweet. Maybe I should like share that on Instagram and see how that does. And so I think at the beginning it was just sort of I guess trying to do something that hasn't necessarily been done as prolifically as other things is a little difficult in terms of trying to um, figure out where to go next. But then I think as I started to post more, I was able to sort of get this information and this data and to see the numbers to be able to say, okay, this is working. Maybe I can continue going this way and then this is not working. So why don't I tweak this? And then I think whenever you're sort of growing social media accounts, it reaches a point where you're able to be like, oh, okay, this is working now. Now I need to really buckle down and I need to look at all the stuff that I've done because maybe I was just throwing mud at the wall for a bit. Um, let me actually figure out what I like the commonalities that have existed throughout the content that I have posted throughout this time. And then let me just really hone in on that and just continue to sort of iterate off that and just like lean into the stuff that works. And what was really exciting was that everyone was like, oh, you know, young people don't really care about, you know, these stories are too complicated for young people. But what was really exciting was that young people wanted the really hard news stories. You know, um, I leaned really hard into politics and women's rights and social justice and activism, and they wanted that. And so, you know, whenever a big, by the end, sort of, of when the account grew really, really quickly by the end, and it was all young people, um, it was like, you know, a massive news, breaking news event would happen. Like, I don't know, the Sri Lanka church bombings on Easter Sunday. Day, um, I'd wake up to hundreds of messages in the world account DMs being like, excuse me, why haven't you covered this? There's been a bombing in Sri Lanka. And I'd be like, okay, it's Sunday morning. I've literally just woke up in the UK. Let me catch up right now. But it was just super exciting to see because... I think people all around the world really wanted, young people all around the world wanted to see that their, you know, their countries were being represented. And, you know, and so that was also one of the things that I really strive to do is to make sure that we're giving um, a place and a voice to to. I guess, a place for people who are underrepresented and um, underreported on in media to have their experiences sort of shared with the world and to be able to sort of capture the diversity of the experiences that sort of exist around the world, but at the same time to show that, you know, there is a commonality to it all because, you know, we're all sort of fighting for a better world, you know, there are injustices that exists um, everywhere around the world, you know, women in Argentina are fighting for the rights to abortion, which they won recently, um, but, you know, the same thing is happening in Europe, in Poland, for example, um, and so I just sort of want to be able to provide a place where people can sort of feel connected with the world and understand how these sort of complex, um, serious and I guess big news stories actually relate to them because I think it can be difficult to um, care about something that you don't necessarily feel that you're right next to. But I think I want to be able to help people to understand that, you know, these things do affect everybody. Um, and, you know, there's this commonality, that sort of universality as well that sort of exists around the world.
Um, talking about, this is sort of a fluffier question, but talking about engagement with all these people that we're reaching on, on social media, um, like for instance, on Instagram, if you post a really sad, or you or anyone posts a really sad story, like, you know, these, there are people dying of starvation in this, in this country. And then the only option is to like heart it on Instagram. How does that affect engagement? Cause I, I know I've felt for sure, like maybe this isn't the right place. I want to heart something, even though I'm, I'm glad I got the news, but yeah, I think this is a question that I get actually asked quite a lot because I think a lot of times, a lot of people on social who work on social media have been sort of, um, are expected to sort of deliver numbers such as like, you know, we want to get X amount of likes, X amount of views, but it's really difficult when you're breaking these like really heartbreaking and devastating stories that are happening, or, but they are happening around the world and young people do want to know about them and Mm. should know about them and so how do you sort of balance that but I think it's just sort of moving away from the model of sort of only considering likes and sort of thinking about the each story for itself so it's like you know for example you're covering a, a, a terrorist attack somewhere um, people and people died and you so you're probably people are probably not going to click like on it because it's heartbreaking and it's really sad but they might want to do something they'll maybe they'll comment maybe they'll share it to their story maybe they'll send it to somebody else and so this is where you can look at or maybe they'll decide to, they'll look at this post and they'll decide they want to follow your account. And so this is where you can sort of start to look at, you know, your other factors such as, you know, your shares, your um, likes and how many people you reached and how many people who followed you, how many people decided to comment. And then you can also look at the quality of the comments and say, you know, if everyone's leaving, like, how can I help? Where can I donate? Or like, this is heartbreaking. Um, sending, you know, thoughts or prayers, that sort of thing over, then it's, it's great because it means that people have really engaged with this content. Um, and then the same way it's like, you know, if you're covering a story about a really small country that nobody around the world knows about, then, you know, your metrics of success are probably not going to be the same as something when you're covering something happening in the UK, for example, or if you're covering Greta Thunberg, where everybody knows. Um, so if you're covering some small country in, I don't know, the Caribbean, um, then perhaps people, it, it may not reach as many people, but if you get like, you know, a, I don't know, a few thousand likes, that might be really good because, you know, maybe it helped to reach people that didn't know about this country. Um, or maybe you were able to reach people in this country so you were able to then sort of grow your audience within this country so now you have I don't know Barbados people following you because now they, they know oh this account posts about stuff that's happening in our country and also all around the world and, and especially with Instagram being a place where, where people want uh, content I feel like of all kinds uh, that, that applies to a lot of places but um, Instagram kind of contrasted with with TikTok where I feel like people are more like entertain me and how do you sort of interact with with that kind of platform with news and, and delivering stuff yeah I think that again like TikTok I think a lot of people tend to have this concept of TikTok as a place where you know people only do dance challenges and um, you know memes um, basically and it's just like teens making kind of like Vine style videos but actually I think it's a bit more than that and I think it's evolving really really quickly and I know that it's recently hit I think what 1 billion active users um, a month I believe um, <laughs> and so yeah. yeah so I think it's actually growing really quickly in the same way that people were like Instagram is only the place for you to share your curated lifestyle but now you know Instagram is a place where people as we sort of seen through the Black Lives Matter movement this is the Instagram has really exploded as sort of like this information powerhouse where people are sort of going to it as a place to uh, find information and treating it as a resource to sort 
sort of uh, learn more about the world. And also, so you saw like these carousels of like, you know, the history of Black uh, Black Lives Matter or like, how can I help? You know, this is where you can donate in the UK for like Black Lives Matter, for example. And then, you know, again, stop Asian hate, for example. And so Instagram has really become a place where people go to for news and information. And so TikTok is, I think, definitely sort of on its way that way because education is actually really big on TikTok. And there are two hashtags that are really, really big. And they're both about both about education. You can go on them. They have billions of views and posts. And it's uh, learn on TikTok and also edutalk. And so journalists and also um, I guess nonprofits as well are a lot of them are sort of starting to move into the sphere and I think that there is a lot of there is a tendency for people to sort of think that you know oh we have to be hip and young and you know do a dance challenge in order to get people to engage with our content but I don't think it's necessarily like that I think that there are ways that you can sort of do it in a way that balances sort of who you are and your mission and, you know, the stories that you're telling and with the platform. And so it's not necessarily about adopting sort of the the dance challenges. It's more about thinking about, you know, what are the features and characteristics of this platform and how do people consume content and share content on this platform? And how can I take those things and apply that to sort of my content versus sort of how can I squeeze my content into the formats that they're using? And so I think it's just a matter of sort of spending a lot of time on these platforms and just consuming how, thinking about how people use it and how people sort of share content on it and then sort of applying that you know young people do want news as we've sort of seen from the growth of the world account for example which was had an unprecedented number of followers under the age of 16 for a news account on Instagram um, and as we've seen with like Instagram now becoming this information powerhouse young people want news and you know just because they're on TikTok it doesn't mean that they don't want news it just means that news is not there and being presented in a way that makes sense to them. I'm glad that you brought it up uh, in that way first. But the other issues with, with Instagram and TikTok aside, like, you know, how how it affects young people and stuff, I think that's something we can address in time. But for now, um, I'm just happy that people are putting a healthy fuel into the fire to, to reach young people. What is your current workflow from uh, from reading to sharing? So I basically wake up in the morning and then I read the news. So, you know, I'm reading all the big news websites. Um, I'm also checking social media to sort of get an idea of what people are actually talking about, um, because I think journalists can tend to sometimes be in their own circles and sort of cover things that, you know, I mean, obviously we cover important things that are also going on and people should know about. Um, but it's always cool to be able to see what, you know, normal people are sort of people out there on social media are just talking about in general. And then I know I sort of do uh, sort of roundup of all the stuff that's going on and stuff that I think is going to work. Um, then the next thing is to, so I say, okay, these are the stories that we're going to be covering. And I have a small team um, who I work with almost. And then we say, okay, so what is, so once we settle on a story, we say, okay, what is the best way to present the story? Is it sort of like, um, is it a photo carousel? Is it a video? Is it a TikTok explainer? Um, then we sort of look at the story and try and think about which, and then we think, okay, what are the visual assets that are sort of required for us to be able to do this? So, you know, if we want to do a photo carousel, other photos, if we want to do a videos, is there enough footage for us to make a video? Then once we settle on that, we just sort of go about making this content. So you know, if it's a photo carousel, then, you know, I'm going to write a headline, I'm going to do the reporting, I'm going to look up photos and, you know, compile, a, a, like, I don't know, 10 photos and then put them together in, a, in an order that makes sense. And I'm going to edit them and then I'm going to, um, you know, post them on social media. And then if it's a video, then I'm probably going to, you know, source a, work with my team to like source a bunch of footage um, and then, you know, decide on a script. So script that and then, you know, edit the video together. And then if it's a TikTok, I'm going to jump in front of my phone and I'm going to host and I'm going to present and um 
mess up my lines a few times, but you know, <laughs> then I'm gonna, you know, edit it all together and then I will share it on the channels. And then it's not just on Instagram. So we also share, we're also on all the other platforms such as um, TikTok and also on Facebook. And we also have a website and we also are on YouTube. So it's a matter of sort of creating content that will go, that will be able to reach as many people as possible, which is something that sort of I learned while, which I sort of touched on as well earlier when I was talking about BuzzFeed, where, you know, we'd go on the ground and we just cover, we just create a bunch of different types of content that could just sort of go everywhere so that, you know, we are, we can reach as many people as possible. And then also at the same time, if Facebook, for example, or Instagram, for example, decides to change its algorithm, you know, we haven't put all of our bags in one, I mean, our eggs in one basket, for example. <laughs> our bags and eggs. Um, so what is, um, what are some other factors you consider when you report on something? I mean, you came from a place where you were like, let's go report on this 30 pound brick. Um, and now you have so much to choose from and you really have to get at what's important. What do you, what kind of goes through your head? Yeah, I think it's just really important. One of the things that I really spend a lot of time thinking about is just making sure that we are sort of accurately sort of representing sort of underreported and underrepresented um, communities and voices and experiences because I think the way that sort of the world has been structured, it makes it quite difficult to sort of find, the, to first of all, find these stories and then to sur to surface them and then to present them in a way that accurately sort of captures the experiences. Um, so I'm always trying to be conscious that, you know, I'm covering stories, um, curating and, and I guess like stories that sort of capture the diversity of the world and also making sure that, you know, I'm getting, you know, covering all the regions that, you know, I think everyone has their own blind spots. So, you know, potentially here in Asia, potentially we may not know as much about Africa or the Middle Middle East, for example, so ensuring that, you know, we are covering stories from there because there are cool things that are going on there. It's just potentially people here, it makes it the, the way that the, the world is structured, makes it a little bit harder for people here to be able to find these stories. And taking that to like the next level in terms of like how we sort of present that, it's like, you know, when we're thinking about the photos that we choose and like how sort of the people that we choose to sort of feature on this account and being diverse in our approach and making sure that we're not sort of having a sort of Eurocentric experience which I think is very curating a Eurocentric experience, which I think is quite easy to do, especially if you sort of follow the traditional sort of media sort of sphere and the system and this news cycle, it can be very easy to fall into these traps where you're just sort of covering stories about people in Europe and, you know, people in America. Or um, pandemic centric. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you want to be able to sort of balance that. And so I think that that part is sort of making sure that you always sort of step away from it and sort of look very big picture at your the, the content that, you know, I'm posting and sort of thinking, okay, uh, what, what, what have we not really covered? Like, are we being too biased in terms of like the the concentration of our content on this topic or on this person how can we you know expand that and make sure that you know we're fairly sort of you know diver diverse and also you know we're spreading out around the world and capturing that yeah you do have to kind of wake up every morning and really ask yourself what am i really doing and make sure you're always kind of on the right track um with pandemic centric stuff I do try not to bring it up if I can help it, but I'm really curious. I didn't start working in journalism um, here at ICRT until after the pandemic had already started. Mm. So, I mean, I was just a casual newsreader. How have you personally seen the world of journalism change since the pandemic hit? Um, I think it's inevitable to talk about the pandemic and mm -hmm. it definitely has actually had a very big impact on the news industry I think that you know at the beginning it was just like all pandemic news because that, that was all it was everyone was just covering this and then it became very quick that you know people got very tired there was a lot of fatigue around pandemic news um, and I think you know, there was it, it just sort of led to well be, with everyone sort of being at home it did lead to sort of 
a boom in the news industry. I think like people、mm. started, everyone was at home and with nothing to do, so everyone was like online and reading the news. I guess I guess the news industry has been sort of in a crisis, thinking about sort of monetization and sort of like the future. And I think it's sort of helped to ease that a little bit, so people are not so sort of worried about that because it, that we were able to sort of see like readership booms and stuff like that due to the pandemic.、Um, and then I think it did lead to more content just in general. Like at first it was pandemic news, but now as People sort of realize, you know, this pandemic is going to be ongoing. This does not mean that we should stop protesting or we should stop doing what we're doing. We just have to adapt to this. I think the it's now become sort of accelerated the flow of information, and so now there's like, you know, there's content about you know pandemic and also all the usual stuff from before. You know, people protesting,、uh, you know, this woman doing something cool online or something like that. And so I think it's definitely seen like、uh, more content、um, in general. So after all this, I guess heading into the, the the final stretch, what is the most difficult part of everything that you do?、Um, this is more a sort of anecdotal. Just like what is what is something that people might not realize is really difficult about getting news, putting it out there. Yeah, I think one of the things that. Is the most difficult is sort of just breaking down information in a way that makes sense for people into something like you know when you have something like a coup which just happened in Sudan and then you have to sort of break that down into a sixty-second video like how do you sort of cover all of the historical context that you need to provide but also you know be able to give them all the information of everything that's just happened and then also making sure to sort of make it interesting in a way and relatable in a way so that people can sort of see the people who are involved and be like oh okay. Yeah,、um, there there are real people in Sudan who are experiencing this coup, and you know the military has now taken over.、Um, so I think it's that's one of the things that. Takes the most amount of time,、um, but I think it's also really enjoyable for me because I really like learning, and that's one of the reasons I got into journalism because you know I get to sort of learn about something new every day, and it's not、um, just limited to say you know I was going to be an English major, so I wasn't just going to be you know reading books every day. I could actually you know I could learn a little bit about I don't know、uh, the Czech president's corruption. I can learn about the Greenland ice sheet melting. I can learn about the coup in Sudan. You know,、um, and so it was really interesting for me. I think, but yeah, it's I think it's difficult because sometimes. You just presented with like walls of text, and you think, okay, how can I now break this down into something that is really concise、um, and will be able to capture people's attention and get them to really care about it? Yeah, you're also faced with the choice of like, I could make this short and leave out really important info, or I could make it too long and just have people not listen to it at all, and maybe they're not going to learn at all. So. What are you most proud of after all this? There are so many things that、uh, you know. I think the world account is something that you know was really unique at the time. For example, being able to have done that sort of、uh, single-handedly grow that account and to be able to see the returns on it in terms of like, you know, it was growing so quickly and it was all young people and they were just super engaged. And I think that is something that I'm really proud of to be able to have been able to play a small part in sort of showing the world that you know young people do care about news、um, and that you know we should be. Going to these places that they are on, and to be able to give them the news in a way that makes sense to them, and I think I just feel really happy to have been able to, you know, play a part, and also in sort of informing young people about sort of. The things that are going on around the world, and not just young people. I guess people who were able to have seen my work to be able to have a better, a little bit of better of an understanding of you know what the world is like. Perhaps it's a country you didn't know about. Perhaps it's a historical event that you didn't know about. Perhaps it's just a cute grandpa who became an Instagram model in Japan, who、um, <laughs> has fifteen phones with Pokemon Go on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so I think、um, just being able to have you know. Helped in some form or way to sort of、um, help people to understand the world better and to understand that you know we 
yeah, there are like important things and complex things that are going on, and sometimes it may feel really you, it's easy to just sort of feel removed from it. But to be able to have felt some sort of connection or to have related to um, a story from halfway around the world, I think that is one of my proudest achievements. So, but for for Taiwan, is there anything is there anything you think Taiwan can do um, to to make its news more relevant to the? I don't know what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, you know what? I think yeah. I'll, no, I'll, no, no, no. I, I, I think I can answer the question. I think it's. Um, I do think that you know, Taiwan is is. I think it's a great time for Taiwan right now because a lot of people are paying more attention to Taiwan, which is really exciting. Because previously, the story about Taiwan has always been sort of you know China Taiwan relations, cross strait relations, and politics in China. Um, and so I think it's. Really exciting that you know, as more journalists, foreign journalists are coming here, and the world starts to pay more attention to Taiwan. Just in general, and the pandemic has sort of helped that, I guess. Um, people are sort of being like, "Oh, wow, Taiwan is a you know, it's a place, and you know, there are people there, and they do have normal people lives, and you know." And so it's cool because now it means that we can tell. Other stories, like we can tell stories about, you know, like the cute laundry couple and t- the grandma and the grandpa laundry couple. You know, there are really, really cool stories here,、um, and so it's not just sort of limited to the experience of, you know, what is it like to be living in the most dangerous place on earth because China could attack any moment, kind of thing. But you know, there's there's so many interesting people stories here that you know we can tell, and there's history, and there's you know just like any other place around the world, there's so many things that you know we can share with the world, and there's. So many things that you know, so many struggles as well that we sort of have in common with other places around the world, and it's just perhaps they just haven't been on people's radar. And so I think it's really exciting that you know, for example, that there are so many journalists here now because we get to share these stories with the world, and the world gets to know more about Taiwan. And then also, I hope through some of the work that I do as well, as well as the work of other journalists that here, that we will be able to sort of bring Taiwan closer to the world and encourage sort of. People here in Taiwan to also understand more about the world as well, so it sort of goes both ways. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of Taiwan? It's definitely difficult to. Sometimes it can be really difficult to feel connected to stories that are things that are happening around the world,、um, especially if they're halfway around the world or all the way around the world. But you know, I hope that people will be able to understand that you know, things that are happening around the world do have a sort of they do impact you and they do affect you, and that we are sort of all existing on this world together. To, not to sound super cliched, but you know that you know we're all sort of this is all part of the experience of you know being a human on this world. And so I hope that people will be able to sort of. Um, gain a better understanding of the world, and just to be able to understand how these events sort of affect them, and just to, even if it's just to sort of see some connection with someone else in another country,、um, and that's part of the reason actually why I started.、Um, for almost, we also have a Chinese account because you know I was like you know I'm in Taiwan. I think it would be good for people in Taiwan to also have an outlet that. Covers world news and to be able to share that with them, so that in a language that makes sense to them, and so、um, hopefully through you know things like this, that people will be able to understand that just the world a little better. Okay, I guess to finish up,、um, is there where else can people find you and your work and anything that you'd like people to find?、Uh, yeah, so people can find me on Instagram and also on TikTok.、Um, I'm on basically all of the platforms,、um, but Almost is on mostly on Instagram.、Um, so it's Almost.co on Instagram, and then for the English version, and then Almost.ch for the Chinese version, and then we're also on TikTok.、Um, so you can find us at the same handles.、Um, you can also find me on TikTok. I'm Cassie.apple. On TikTok and Cassie on Instagram,、um, and yeah, just like you know, subscribe, follow. I don't know what do the YouTubers say. 
Yeah, okay, sm- smash like or something. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining me in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, many thanks to Cassie Cho. As she said, you can find her Instagram page almost.co in English and almost.ch in Chinese. And thanks again to you for listening. Until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100. If you'd like to hear more from ICRT, you can check out our other podcasts. We've got Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the news in Taiwan every Friday, English in the News, for useful English expressions explained in Chinese, and EZ News, spelled with the letters E and Z, for simplified daily news. For some lighter news in both English and Chinese, check out News Bites and News for Kids. And if you enjoy them, tell a friend. Thanks for listening.